Welcome to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. This podcast tackles the hottest topics for the European accountancy profession. Get your need-to-know update from Brussels. This is our third episode on the response to the coronavirus. Our first episode looked at SMEs and the role that accountants can play in helping keep them afloat. The second episode took a look at how reporting and auditing can adapt to meet the challenges of this period. Today, we're going to focus on another major player in the economic response to the crisis, namely banks. I'm not an expert in this area, and so I've invited my colleague Ben Rainier, Senior Manager at Accountancy Europe, to tell us more. Please note that we're recording this podcast remotely, so there will be some less than perfect audio. Ben, over to you. Yes, thank you so much, Andrea. I'm Ben. Um, at Accountancy Europe, I'm leading the corporate reporting initiatives, including banks and insurance entities. Although it may not be uh, common knowledge, we do have quite a bit of expertise around the banking sector. We've recently, and you've been very involved in this, putting together a hub of resources for banks, specifically through this uh, coronavirus period. Can you tell me why uh, the Banks Working Party and why you came together to, to make this hub? The Banks Hub on the Accountancy Europe website um, regarding the coronavirus gathers coronavirus crisis resources for European professional accountants dealing with financial institutions. And it focuses on the impacts of the virus on financial reporting, but also regulatory reporting and the related audit considerations. Did it not exist anywhere else? Why did we feel the need to, to bring this together? Well, actually, we started this very early you know, after the outbreak with the uh, setup of this uh, hub. And, it, and at that moment in time, it was very important to share knowledge from our member bodies, as well as public authorities and standard setters at international, European and, and national level, because our members were looking for, for guidance so they could start building their own guidance and learn from the experience of others. This is very much the role of professional organizations right now to take the broader view and to bring a broader perspective for accountants who might be struggling how to respond and how to advise financial financial institutions as clients. So it is important that there is uh, this one location where people can check in to see um, what there, what is happening around around Europe? I really hope that people will visit the Accountancy Europe website, accountancyeurope.eu, and from the front page, it will direct you to our coronavirus resources for banks. Shifting gears a bit, there was at the beginning of the the crisis um, when a lot of contingency measures were being put into place, a lot of concern whether or not IFRS could accommodate these kind of irregularities because nobody saw mortgage holidays on the horizon, right? Yes, yeah, so this IFRS 9 guidance provides the uh, accounting guidance for uh, financial instruments, not only of banks, but also of companies. And so you can imagine this standard is very important in the current uh, stress situation. And actually, ESMA uh, stated that the principle-based nature of IFRS 9 
include sufficient flexibility to faithfully reflect the specific circumstances of the COVID-19 outbreak and the associated public policy measures. So in a nutshell, the, there is no need to amend the current existing IFRS 9 requirements in the light of this corona crisis. So it was very important for the different stakeholders to understand that there was no need for a new standard to account for financial instruments, but that the current existing principles reflected in this standard can also be applied by banks in the current stress situation. And so IFRS 9 more specifically sets out, for example, a framework for determining the amount of expected credit losses, so-called ECLs, or impairments of write-offs that should be recognized for financial assets. So, say it very simply, if you have this loan granted to a company and you're not sure that the company in the future will be able to repay, uh, for example, due to the COVID crisis, this loan, then maybe you will have to book a so-called impairment write-off uh, with respect to that uh, loan. And so that guidance is now very important. Uh, the so-called uh, ECL guidance is very important that this is um, put in uh, practice by banks in, in a correct way. And although the current circumstances are difficult and create high levels of uncertainty, if these ECL estimates are based on a reasonable and supportable information, and IFRS 9 is not applied mechanistically, useful information can be provided about ECLs. Because indeed, in the current stress information environment, IFRS 9 and the associated disclosures can provide the much-needed transparency to users of the financial statements. It also requires um, a certain amount of critical thinking on the part of uh, the accountant um, to work with IFRS 9 uh, to see how it can meet the situation. You can't do a box ticking exercise in this time is that you really need to engage with the standards to make the best decision because nothing is, is business as usual. Exactly. So I think as a profession, we can play a very important role here um, to help banks applying uh, the principles stipulated in the IFRS 9 standard in these very unique times. And so, for example, we already had calls, for example, with European Banking Federation to discuss a couple of these topics. So to also share knowledge with them. And also, not only uh, for banks. In our last episode, we, we spoke a bit uh, about the reporting and auditing requirements. And I understand that there, there has been a development since then. And maybe you can talk a little bit more about country responses. Yes, you can imagine that the impact of the coronavirus on the reporting of companies uh, will be quite significant. So generally stated, it would be very important for companies that they disclose in the management report the impact of the virus and, and the government uh, support measures on the financial position of, of the entity. The significant judgments and major estimates that companies made 
to come up with their financial statements need to be disclosed to the users of the financial statement. Can you give us an idea of additional measures? If we now look into a couple of more specific topics, um, I would like to start first with extension of the filing deadlines. So we noticed, you know, a lot of companies were struggling to finalize um, their uh, accounts. And as such, a lot of countries granted an extension of the filing deadlines related to both annual and half-year financial statements. So to give a little bit of flexibility to the companies to finalize their financial statements. Secondly, I would like to focus on IES 10, which is events after the reporting date. And actually that IFRS standard makes it a distinction between adjusting and non-adjusting post-balance sheet events. Those are events that happen after the year end date and either you have to um, reflect those, these, those events in your financial statements, then we are talking about adjusting events, or either those events just need to be disclosed and do not impact your financial statements, and then we talk about non-adjusting events. So for the 31st of December 2019 year end, it's clear that the coronavirus can be considered as a non-adjusting post-balance sheet event. If we then, however, are looking to January and February uh, 2020, then actually entities on a case-by-case -case basis, depending on the industry, the customers, their supply chain, and the country of operations, will have to assess whether the coronavirus is an adjusting or non-adjusting event. But it is very clear that for all countries, from March 2020 onwards, all the um, year-end reports or um, um, interim financial statements will have to treat this coronavirus as an adjusting event. Thirdly, we have going concern, very important in the current situation. Usually, financial statements are drafted based on a going concern basis. That's the starting point. But currently, in 2020, as a result of the coronavirus outbreak, companies will have to assess if they can continue as a going concern, and they should also disclose their judgment around that in the notes to the financial statements. This is very important because if a company is no longer assessed to be in a going concern, then important adjustments have to be made to the financial statements. Assets have to be booked at net realizable value. Certain liabilities have to be recognized. Certain liabilities might need to be reclassed from non current to current. So this whole going concern is a very important uh, topic in the current um, situation and the fact of no longer being in going concern has very important impact on the uh, financial statements of companies. Fourthly, uh, we have uh, IS36 considerations. IS36 is the IFRS standard about impairment of assets. Impairment is some kind of an exceptional depreciation write-off. Actually, 
in IS-36, it is stipulated that when you have an indication of an impairment, a potential impairment, then you have to perform an impairment test. It is clear that the corona pandemic in the course of 2020 is an indication of impairment for a lot of companies. And so we expect in 2020 period ends that companies will recognize impairment uh, losses because when there is an indication of impairment, they will have to do an impairment test. And if based on that test, an asset seems to be impaired, then the entity has to recognize an impairment loss. Fifthly, we have also this IFRS 9 financial instruments standard, which I already explained when we were discussing the banks. This standard is also applicable for um, corporates. So they also have to assess whether their financial assets, for example, the trade receivables they have in their books towards their customers, whether there is an impairment. There could also be an impact on hedge accounting and an impact of changes to the terms of loan agreements on the accounting of those agreements, because there can be renegotiations with the banks about the terms of those loans and as such, um, those loans have to be accounted differently. Are there any other matters that you can think of? There are a lot of other governance matters that result from the uh, COVID um, crisis. For example, a lot of annual meetings uh, had to be, general meetings had to be delayed. Of course, there is also an important impact on the internal control environment of this whole COVID um, crisis and also there was an advice not to distribute dividends especially banks taking into account the current uh, coronavirus outbreak i have heard about the problems with landlords wanting to give um a rent holiday for people who who might be leasing their um their apartments or or houses with respect to leasing, the ISB issued end of April an exposure draft because in the current situation, many lessors provided rent concessions, which are rent um, discounts, to lessees as a result of the pandemic. And actually, this exposure draft provides a practical expedient for lessees when they account for these lease concessions. So, you know, it helps them to deal in a more easier way with these uh, rent concessions to uh, account for it in a more easier way. And so, you know, the companies are currently struggling with a lot of uh, issues. So um, uh, the ISB wanted to provide this relief for um, the lessees. And actually, this exposure draft is still open for comments. Uh, and Accountancy Europe is planning to respond to this uh, exposure draft. I'm very glad that the people are looking at this because it's clearly an issue that, that needs to be resolved. People who, who lease uh, properties should also be incorporated. I wanted to um, just ask for your, your personal opinion. Looking at the range of uh, accommodations and contingency plans and flexibility, uh, that you see have seen so far, 
Do you think this will be uh, sufficient to react to COVID or do you think we'll still have new measures that will need to come? Yes, I think this, you know, all these measures are already quite important um, steps. But um, we anticipate that especially the uh, half-year closings of, um, as of uh, 30 June 2020 will be extremely challenging for the companies. Because as explained before, you know, uh, probably um, companies will have to book very significant uh, impairment of uh, assets. And so also for their uh, auditors, it will be a very difficult uh, exercise because these kind of um, impairments need uh, a lot of judgment and uh, estimates and so these are very challenging times also for the profession to actually uh, contribute to uh, the current situation uh, because it will be very uh, challenging for companies to finalize their account um, for the banks we already noted that now uh, for Q1 reporting, some banks already booked quite significant impairments, so uh, write-offs on certain assets due to the corona crisis. I think also with the whenever it comes to these standards and these uh, contingency plans, it's not just the setting, it's the implementing. And that's where accountants do come in. And that's where the critical thinking is required. Because one of the things that we speak about a lot as a profession is that the added value of the accountant is the advice that they can give and the um, explanation that they can give to whether it's companies, whether it's banks of these standards and um, how they can be interpreted in practice. So it's very true that I think many accountants will be having many long hours figuring out what this means and how to apply it. So much work yet to be done. I fully agree. I fully agree. Indeed, IFRS is principle-based, so you don't have clear rules. Um, You really have to apply those principles in practice. And so uh, our professionals, you know, have a lot of experience in different environments with different preparers. And so they, you know, can share that knowledge. And especially in these very tough times, uh, it's uh, it's important that uh, they share um, this specific knowledge with the other stakeholders uh, to make sure that um, uh, they can cope with this um, special situation. In closing, can you give us a brief overview of your recent work around banks? Uh, Lately, we have been working around two topics. The first one is key audit matters in European banks. As you probably know, EU law and international standards require auditors to communicate key audit matters, CAMS, when they audit the financial statements of listed companies and other public interest entities. Reporting CAMS allows for high-quality audit reports, and such we analyzed um, in 2018 the CAMS of 62 European banks uh, across 18 countries. We issued recently an update of the scope of bank audits. This survey covered the scope of bank audits in Europe related to both statutory 
audit, meaning the audit of the financial statements, and additional supervisory requirements. For example, providing assurance on prudential reporting. The main conclusion is that we found that EU member states often supplement EU legislative requirements. The variety and types of supplemental legislation differ greatly and show nuances based on each national context. Thanks so much for that overview. It really helps clarify the knowledge that we have around banks. Thank you so much. It was a a great pleasure. Thanks for listening to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting apps. Get in touch. We are at AccountancyEU on Twitter, and you can contact me at andrea at accountancyeurope.eu. This podcast is presented and edited by Andrea Campbell with help from Elida Nijar. Our music is Fearless First by Kevin MacLeod under a Creative Commons license. See you next time, because people count.